Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 205 for Monday, August 8th, 2022. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixlriffs, and joining me as he has for the past four years is Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Four years. Episode one was published on August 10th, 2018. That was yesterday, right? That's not... That's not that long ago. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, you throw in a global pandemic and uh, a number of Minecraft updates. We we started recording just just after or just before they updated to one thirteen. I think. Yeah, was ju the, just just after the update to Quasi. Just after the we, one thing. Yeah, we were talking about how much we enjoyed Bubbles and the Drowned and that kind of right. stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and all of that is available if you go to the spawnchunks.com or if you're diving through the archive on one of the podcasting platforms, you can go back and listen to the the archive should you desire. Uh, obviously, know that some of the news and opinions are well out of date <laughs> by, by this point in time. Uh, but a big thank you to everyone that's been listening uh, for a chunk of that, whether you've been here since the beginning early on or just joined us recently uh it's really fantastic to to see the show keep going and keep growing and i mean i have a lot of fun doing it it's it's been a really interesting learning experience to be part of a video game podcast that is updated so often like we have news almost every week which is really really cool yeah absolutely and it's it's been super fun for the last four years and will hopefully continue to be super fun for the next little while uh obviously our patron community has grown and we obviously want to thank our patrons for uh supporting the show as you do um we've got plenty of stuff coming up later this month we've got a chunk mail dispenser coming next week we might hopefully fingers crossed have a couple of folks coming in for like more interview kind of casual chats and that kind of stuff so stick around for potential guests coming this month and then uh, we got a monthly minecraft hangout happening at the end of the month as well so as usual it is a good time to be a patron and we want to thank everyone for their support for the last few years and as a patron, you get access to the Render Distance, which is the extended version of the show, which has been going on for almost as long as we've been recording the podcast. I think there's only 17 episodes that didn't have a Render Distance. Mm -hmm. And that's where Johnny and I talk about extra stuff, things that were just happening over our weekends. Uh, this week, uh, Johnny's been replaying Hades, and I was watching The Sandman, uh, the Neil Gaiman property that's now on Netflix as a, as a series. Uh, that came out this past weekend, so I've been diving into that. So uh, we talked a little bit about that. No spoilers. We didn't, we didn't get into any of that. Uh, but uh, if you want to listen to that, check out patreon.com slash the chunks and get access to the extended show. So this week I have been doing a bunch of stuff that I can't really talk about. And, and it's not because it's like a huge kind of behind the scenes project or anything, but I'm doing some secret stuff on Empire's SMP. And so if I told you what I was doing, it might spoil the experience for some people who are hopefully going to be experiencing it sometime later this week, maybe the week after. Um, but uh, so I don't really have a great deal to contribute about what's new in my Minecraft life. I'm building a catacombs for my storage system is the main thing I can talk about. And I really like building a thematic storage system rather than something strictly for utility because normally i'll go in for like survival guide for example i'll be thinking mainly about just how usable a storage system is and so i'm building stuff that's just like straight rows of chests impulse sv item filters behind all of them and like in in my more recent worlds i've adopted the strategy of having a barrel over the top of each of those for craftable materials so stuff like if i've got a cobblestone chest there all of the cobblestone stairs slabs walls maybe some furnaces whatever kind of products all go in the barrel above that chest to save myself some time looking for them in a manually sorted storage system but in these catacombs, I'm working a little bit differently. I have more manual storage than I have bulk storage. The bulk storage is going to be for more like loose categories 
of items and it's not just going to be rank upon rank of chests like it's it's the same kind of thing but laid out very differently and laid out in a way that makes sense for the environment and i, I normally design storage system first environment second so i'm having a lot of fun uh doing the uh the thematic side of things and working on automation almost as an afterthought rather than as the strict purpose of the whole system now that you are on empires, is there any temptation to grab a different chest texture to have them look more like sarcophagus or tack or caskets and stuff? I I could do that, but I think it'd be more of like I mean th those would be the chests that appeared basically everywhere for me. So it right. really depends because there's some stuff I want to build that it wouldn't make sense at all for a, you know a double chest to look like a coffin or something right um mm. so so you'd have to in install a mod that allowed me to separate those chests from other kinds of chests maybe and you know I'm, i'd be entirely fine with mojang adding more types of storage chests to the game if it meant we could do something a bit more thematic with chests in general but yeah i, I think it's also we're working on a more global uh texture pack system anyway like you you download the texture pack when you join the server and then that's got everything in it so i'd have to kind of persuade the other folks on the server to install the same thing rather right. than just stick to a, a client side texture pack i like the idea of options but like you said that involves mods and, and things like that but at mm -hmm. least with at least with empires it's not part of the the minecraft um survival guide so it's not going to be confused with vanilla and yeah all that kind of yeah. gameplay and tutorials that you're doing in, in that series but i i like the idea of thematic storage too i um i've i've done kind of a little bit of a mix where i think the biggest storage system i have currently is underneath the block bank in the modern city mm-hmm and it makes sense in that it's it's modern looking. It sort of looks like a bank vault, but it also very much looks like a pretty standard Minecraft storage system with like water and, you know, uh, sorting different items and bulk items that we're going to be using a lot in the city uh, with some manual storage on the side, smelter, that kind of thing. So not exact. It doesn't look exactly like a bank vault. I was thinking Minecraft storage first bank vault aesthetic kind of gently laid over it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is underneath the bank. But uh, I like the idea of, of doing something like a, a tomb or uh, I think you could do things like I, I, I think um, Cubfan on last season of Hermitcraft did the giant storage system in the um, in the pyramid. And yeah. he had like the big the big pit in the middle doubled as like the input, I think, for everything, mm -hmm. which was mm -hmm. which was cool. So you can come up with some really interesting ideas, especially now that we've got you know uh the the redstone and the water mechanics and uh the the there was something that changed recently oh the minecraft um not minecraft the minecart chests yeah and the minecart hoppers not breaking into separate entities when they are broken they break mm -hmm. as an item and then you can move them around so there's there's ways to move items around and ways to sort things now that are a little bit different than they used to be and i imagine there's some some interesting ways that you could set things up yeah for sure like i'm i'm kind of thinking about using chest boats for a few different things as well because uh i i like the idea of being able to either using a dispenser you can dispense them or you can you know very carefully place them on blocks and have them shuffled around by pistons and stuff and then you can stack them perfectly on top of each other and they sort of look like drawers um and then oh, yeah. you'd, you'd have to shift click on them or have a mob in each boat for them to really function as drawers without you having to worry about like getting in the boat by accident 
Um, but I, I want to do some more stuff like that. I want to have a few other bits and pieces around where things are just kind of like crates are stacked up or something like that. But I, I, I want to do a bit more interesting stuff with storage systems. And that's a concept I think I'm going to take back to the survival guide world and explore a little bit more. Something that I don't do very often, but thought about recently was using shulker boxes, but then hiding them, you know, yeah. so that mm -hmm. you could just, you know, click on, click on the hole through a, a sideways stair, you know, just to yes. access the shulker box, like stuff like that could be, could be kind of fun when you're hiding storage in certain places. I guess there's that balance between convenience and access, like just, and, and aesthetics, like, do you, how seamless do you want it to look and how much of a pain in the butt do you want to have to aim at the very specific <laughs> section yeah that's why i don't put signs or item frames on my chests is because i constantly feel like i have to click around them yeah yeah and, that, and it drives me crazy my main pet peeve as well whenever i come up with a labeling system for storage i usually try and either use full blocks and in this case i have uh block swappers which are used to swap out the block directly in front of the chest so that you can see what it is at the the click of a button or the turn of a page in a lectern as i mentioned last week um either that or yeah i, I come up with a labeling system that doesn't involve the signs or item frames having to be on the chests themselves <laughs> because yeah I, I get so tired of like looking slightly to the left of something in order to click on it it's it's a a bit of a pain so yeah i i try my best to find inventive ways of working around those when i have to lay my chests out like that the other game that i play that has a lot of storage in it, it's satisfactory uh you have even less control and the storage bins are massive think mm -hmm. something like four times the size of a double chest and they all look the same outside of coloring them and and when you change the color of them the face of them doesn't change only the side which is really annoying because then you still can't tell what's going on but one of the things that i've seen people do and i don't know whether this is something that happens a lot in minecraft because i don't ever think that i've done it is is layer the storage bins in the ceiling of your build so rather than always walking up to something and clicking the face of it you could be either standing on top of it or underneath it and click vertically and then you're just looking at like the blank bottom of something because mm -hmm. in in satisfactory you can click on any side of a storage bin and you access the storage bin same with the chest of minecraft as long as there's no um, solid block above it, you can access it. So if you had like a, a gap in your ceiling, you could have chests lining the top of a, of a ceiling. And depending on the pattern, depending on, you know, whether you're using shulker boxes and chests, like you could actually have a decent looking, I mean, it might be better for a disco floor, but you could have a pretty, <laughs> you know, interesting looking ceiling and having the whole thing be storage. And if, if you had it set up right, you could have some of them fed in through hoppers from above. Like it could, it could work yeah. out depending on what you wanted to store. I am considering doing some stuff like that in some of the other rooms, like having gray shulker boxes merged in there with the stone or like, you know, highlighted mm, by mm -hmm. some stuff around them. But it just relies on me knowing exactly what I want to put in there. And I'm still sort of in the drafting phase of a lot of this. So we'll uh, we'll see what comes up. And uh, we're going to be talking a bit more about inventory and stuff and, and people's wishes for inventory a little bit later on in today's main discussion. Uh, first, though, what's new on the Citadel? What's new with you? So I took some time after thinking about the last project I was doing and fixed the roof of the cloth merchant shop. Uh, I, yeah, the, 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 yeah. the difficult roof. <laughs> I've, I've included, you know, for free folks here in our live chat, I've got a, a screenshot from last week and a screenshot from this week. And I, I just bit the bullet and made it a spruce roof. It's not the most imaginative thing. It looks way better. It blends into the things that are around it a lot better. 
and I feel a lot better about it. But the other thing that I that I did change, which is um, something I should have done the first time, was rather than forcing myself to try and stick to one gable on the eastern side of the house, I actually added another half gable, which allowed me to run the ridge of the roof exactly in the same pattern as the north face of the, the building. Mm -hmm. And that saved myself all, it, it, it came together almost immediately after I added that half gable. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I was happy with that, and uh, it, it didn't affect the inside too much. I had to do a lot of block changing from a lot of the the oak that was um, previously part of the roof is also what I used to decorate the inside. And so there was a lot of like, oh, but if I put a stair there, it connects funny to the stair beside it. And so like I had to do a lot of kind of like me milling around and trying to sort to sort stuff out. But it, it ended up coming together in the end. It's not overly attractive, but it. Uh, it functions and looks neater than it did before. So yeah. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Uh, and then uh, I moved on to the, the next project, which is the flower shop. Still not done. Uh, the back garden is not finished, but the roof of that was also challenging because I was, it's my first time working with mangrove wood. And so uh, we've got mangrove and jungle uh, with some jungle signs in the roof. And there were some really happy accidents that happened along the way. Uh, being able to use, mangrove planks feeling that they were a little bit too high contrast but by putting the jungle signs over them you're covering up the darkest part of the planks the, the little space between the planks yeah. in the in the pixel texture and so it kept the planks feeling much lighter uh, in general and matched the the jungle on the edges of the roof uh, I also ended up putting a dip in the roof that wasn't there before. And as luck would have it, it lined up perfectly with the yellow tower that I built a couple of weeks ago. So now you see more of that when you come down the road, <laughs> which is nice. Um, and then uh, over, I think it was Sunday stream, we we got our, our hands into some color. I went and collected a whole bunch of coral and uh, taking some tips from Cosmic Dancer on the server who does a lot of coral gardens with waterlogged slabs and, and waterlogged blocks and stuff. I was able to put like plants that look like they're on the counter by waterlogging uh, jungle stairs, by waterlogging slabs and then covering them up with trap doors to keep the water contained. I was able to put coral inside. Um, I am using a couple of, of data packs. We've got the statues data pack from um, Vanilla Tweaks. And I've also got uh, a texture pack from Pump Kate, I believe is the creator. And all that does is randomly add spots where flowers appear either in triple or singles. Mm -hmm. So it's random. It just, it's based on what space you're using in the world. So sometimes you put something in a pot and it's just a single flower. And sometimes you put it in a pot and it's triple. And man, sometimes it makes a big difference. Uh, having three little alliums in a flower pot looks magical <laughs> compared to one lonely looks like a you know a pom-pom on a stick you know sure. yeah yeah, uh, yeah. looks a lot more like a plant when there's three of them so that was the the data pack push but really what pushed it over the top was glowberries and um uh, azalea and flowering azalea and even some mangrove leaves on the inside and on the outside that help kind of like make everything feel lush and overgrown uh, there's a drip leaf in there. So a lot of it is vanilla content. There's really only a couple of spots where I use the data packs to kind of um, push things forward. Oh, and the tables and chairs. But I've, I've talked about that number of times on the show. People know that I use it. Yeah. And you've got um, you've got dirt half blocks. You've got dirt slabs from oh, the right. yes. that, that one petrified oak slab that you can retexture and 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 craft. And I, I like that 
being the waterlogged slab that you've got like some of the coral on in here because it means it looks more like a plant that can grow on dirt which normally coral can't unless you have a waterlogged slab somewhere else like immediately adjacent to it or something and even then with the the plants it has to be the block that they're placed on right so i think it's uh it's it's pretty neat that you've got that available to you and you can make this behave a bit more like a plant even though it's technically speaking an animal i guess coral is weird man um, yeah but yeah i i really like what you've done with this and it feels like wandering into like a a, a florist you know in brighton where i live where like oh really cool yeah there's there's always like you know, yes, you've got the the kind of bunches of flowers that are pre-cut and wrapped already, and they're in, like, buckets and stuff, but they've got bigger plants that are just, like, you know, they're not growing up the wall necessarily if they're plants that they're selling, but the, you've got that environment of there are all kinds of plants on display, and they're sort of, like, up the wall on one side, and, you know, the, the people are just kind of casually on the shop floor cutting things and, and wrapping stuff for customers and stuff. So it, it definitely feels a little bit more alive that way, for sure. Thanks. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and, and nice to add some color, especially on the street outside, like when you're walking down the road and seeing these pops of like pink and, and magenta from the coral, which I've got kind of layered behind like a fern or a bush or something like that, just to kind of soften them a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I find that it works really well. I didn't end up using any red. Uh, I used some yellow coral inside and that's a really fun pop because it, it works very well with the glowberries but the red was just too red. It's too pure primary red. It clashes with the more maroon of the mangrove. Yeah. So I didn't end up going with it. Although I'm I'm going to try to use it somewhere else because I've got a back garden, which is not completed. Uh, I've kind of laid out a rough idea of where I want to go with it. And there's lots of opportunities there to also add like waterlogged slabs and, and some coral back there. And because of the fact that it switches to a taiga biome, I'm hoping to be able to use some berry bushes. And I think berry bushes and red coral will look good together because you'll have the primary red from the berries and the red from the coral to kind of balance it out. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and a trick that Cosmic uses with the brightness of coral, you can use red nether brick and there's your stair or your slab to allow yourself to put something um, under the coral that because of the brightness of the of the coral blocks and the brightness of the block you're putting it on it sort of just looks like bright mulch like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't scream like brick where like i could put coral on any waterlogged stair or slab it doesn't matter whether it's a, a wood or whether it's a stone but it doesn't look like a plant as you said so mm -hmm. i'm hoping to, to try and push some some ideas there and uh as with anything like sometimes less is more like i went overboard at first and i you know i really hope they update vines to work differently because i tried adding some vines to cover up some of the wall space but i came back you know a couple hours later and sure enough like the vines had grown everywhere you couldn't even yeah. walk through the shop so i had to remove a, a good deal of them and there are a number of pieces of string down just because there were some vines i did not want to remove uh and that's keeping the vines from growing all over the place um, but i have a texture pack that reduces the transparency of my string down to like 10 percent or something so it's there invisible but very very subtle so yeah. um there, it, there are a few of them there but i don't i don't even think they show up in the screenshot so i still wish that we could use the same shearing thing on regular mm -hmm. vines as we can on cave vines and kelp and everything because yeah like just stopping them from growing would be such a 
boon to builders <laughs> when it comes to using this stuff. Like, even when I'm building ruins stuff in Empires now, I am avoiding using vines because I will go away or I'll spend some time AFK somewhere or I'll be mining under the area and I'll come back and there'll just be vines everywhere and I'll go, no, I don't, I don't want this. <laughs> but I don't like to have string everywhere. And like you, I, I could put on a, a texture pack that lowers the transparency, but it's still just one of those things that, like, I will know it's there, and it'll catch, like, the corner of my eye, and I'll just be, like, really annoyed by it more than anything. So I try oh, yeah. to avoid details like that where I can now. And you tend to have to put them at places where you don't want things to grow at head level, which means that you as the player see that black bounding box whenever your cursor goes yeah. over the string, when it's right mm -hmm. in your face. Like it, it's it's not as it's only subtle and seamless if it's far away. You know, people putting string on roofs or things that you can't you, you'll never know it was there. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I wish there was a, a better mechanic for vines. That's why I like the glowberry vines. I, I find that if I don't need to coat something flat, like with the vine texture currently, I'll, I prefer the the glowberry vines, the cave vines, because uh, you have a lot more control and they have a much better 3D texture to them. They fill up a lot more space. Yeah, and plus you can get lighting from them as well, which you've done here, and it, it makes perfect sense to have like one glowberry here and that lights basically the entire interior of your shop. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it it's, really it's, does. It's a small enough space that with like a, whatever it is, like 15 block light from a glowberry higher up on the vine or you have the option of lighting up the end of them and it, it produces slightly less light but that can be better for ambience too and the way that this worked out uh there's a window at the very front that has a flower pot in front of it and the glowberry is directly behind the window so it lights up the front of the build as well like at the and it's not like super bright but it's bright enough that it, it doesn't look like dark mobville you know when you're mm -hmm. going up to the it looks more inviting uh, in the evening it looks like there's a warm glow coming from the build rather than just having like a and I, I find too like you know the the lanterns you can I could hang a lantern from the front of the build if I wanted to but it's so bright and then it just distracts you from all the pretty flowers so yeah yeah and it, it may not be what you want aesthetically either like you don't know if you want to have lighting all over the place on the outside so it exactly. makes sense well, uh, moving on into the news, we've got a pretty short news segment for you this week. Uh, there's just one update from Minecraft Java Edition. 1.19.2 has been released. Uh, the changelog is at minecraft.net. That's linked in our show notes. And all it says is we're now releasing Minecraft 1.19.2 for Minecraft Java Edition. This release fixes a critical issue related to server connectivity with secure chat. And the fixed bugs include fixing an issue causing players to get disconnected with secure chat. And they've also fixed a crash in the social interaction screen. That is it. For Minecraft 1.19.2, I believe there was a release candidate earlier as well, but there wasn't any details about what that fixed, so it was probably one of those bugs that they wanted to keep on the down low rather than encourage players to reproduce it. Uh, so that makes a great deal of sense. And here we are in 1.19.2. I'm just waiting for the dust to settle on these incremental updates yeah. because then I have to go through and update the performance and client side mods and quality of life mods that we run on the citadel but that's that's really it i mean everything as far as 119 content wise for me is in place so i know what i know and i'll get to the new content when i get to it i guess yeah yeah same goes for us on empires i'm obviously updating the survival guide world because it's single player and has no mods like i'm updating that day of um or whenever i happen to log in because i've been mostly on empires this week um but i don't really have a great deal to say about this one like it, it it'll I assume after yeah one nineteen has any like has reached its final sub release, then people will just be updating to whatever their mods work for, and then that that'll that'll be it. 
but uh, no no content as such to speak of, just a couple of bug fixes, so uh, all good here. Speaking of new content, what do you think we jump into some chunk mail? Yeah, we might as well. If you'd like to write to the show, you can do so by sending an email to spunchunkmail at gmail.com. Please try to keep them to the point and short, and we will get them on the show if they fit into the conversation. This email is from the Iron Creeper 1 animation updates. Dear Pix and Joel, I was listening to episode 197 of the Spawn Chunks, and I really felt Joel's disappointment at the Minecraft animations compared to the animations in Legends and Dungeons. So I give you my sales pitch. In Minecraft itself, there are some mobs like the Warden and Frogs that have really good animations, but older mobs such as zombies and pigs that have fairly basic animations. Frogs have a wobbly walking animation, officially terminology here, but pigs seem just to glide over the ground as do mobs like horses, which would be expected to have a galloping animation. Should the next Minecraft update be an animation update? A chance for Mojang to go back over some of the old mobs animations and possibly remake some of the basic ones, or add some different ones for some mobs under certain circumstances, such as pigs when walking through mud should roll in it a little. It would give a little bit more immersion to the game as you would see the mobs around you making various different animations at random rather than just standing there gliding across the ground as they do currently. But still no knees though. Thanks for reading the email. I've been listening to the podcast almost constantly this summer so far while driving a tractor. Keep up the good work. The Iron Creeper 1 got distracted and crashed his tractor while trying to imagine new animations for pigs. Oh no. <laughs> That's what we don't want. We're fine with like in-game death messages. Real world death messages. <laughs> no. <laughs> Be careful. Like the, this podcast is not rated for operating heavy machinery. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, ho- hopefully stay safe out there and, and thanks for the email. I, I like the idea of an animation update. I am biased because I was an animator uh, early in my career as an artist, uh, but I don't anticipate an animation update giant air quotes. Like, I don't think that's yeah. going to be something that Mojang does because it's not going to really offer new content for players. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would agree. Animation isn't like an update theme in itself. It's it's aesthetics. It's not content. That's really my, my overall takeaway from that. It could be one facet of an update, like when we got a texture update in 114. Uh, or it's you know potentially something that gets updated in small increments the way they've been adding new sounds to old blocks lately but i don't see this really carrying an update in terms of a theme and i think that these kind of things will just be added along the way uh there's updates to biomes that might happen there's technical updates um there may be some new use for a mob that we don't know of and at that point it might be worth revisiting the mobs animation uh i don't remember did did a lot of the mobs get new textures when they retextured the blocks a couple updates ago a bunch of them did yeah there was definitely a lot of changes to like the zombies and skeletons i think got minor texture updates i think the one that was the holdout was the creeper because it was seen as too iconic to really change right um but there's yeah there's a couple of them that have had texture updates just to bring them more in line with the art style they were going for moving forward so I could see an update to animations from, say, hostile mobs lumped into something more of a technical update, like a redstone update or a rails update or something where they're, you know, dealing with like mobs that we often put in minecarts to move them around or to do something like that. So if you change the way that a mob sits in a minecart, it might be a decent opportunity to update the mob animations and that kind of a thing. Um, 
but I don't want to forget about player animations because uh, less important on a single player world, but on a multiplayer world, I think it would be nice to have players look like the video game is not from 2012. Yeah, uh, right. It would be nice to have a little bit more specifically because I've seen fan made stuff and I've seen uh, animations where even without knees, you can still make the characters feel like they have a lot more weight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, there's there's definitely some good player made stuff out there. Um, I will recommend a few mods with a variety of changes. Um, not enough animations is a fabric mod that's updated to one nineteen, and that adds some fairly basic stuff. A lot of which seems like it's fairly in keeping with vanilla. It sort of feels like a vanilla plus kind of thing, and it adds animations to the player in areas where you might expect them to have something different. Like it varies the animation for drinking instead of eating and makes that more visible from the outside. Uh, loading a crossbow is more like a smooth kind of drawing back the crossbow animation to somebody who's watching from the outside, and there's a few different ones. If you compare that to something like Mo Bends, which was last updated for 1.12 and it's on Forge because I don't think Fabric exists as far back as 1.12, um, that's a really interesting one. That was part of RL Craft when I played that. And honestly, seeing players running around with like, you know, th there were kind of bending knees occasionally. The sword swinging animation was much more fluid. Punching actually felt like you were kind of shadow boxing a little bit, even if you were just punching a tree. Like it felt like a more realistic way of having that, you know, portrayed in game. And that was one of my favorite changes and probably because the rest of the changes were trying to kill me in various ways. Uh, but <laughs> it, it was one of the things that as I noticed it, it really started to stand out for me as like, oh yeah, no, you can tell when somebody is sprinting because the animation changes and they're tilting forward a little bit more and their legs are really going. And like, I think stuff like that isn't as easy to interpret for Minecraft's current art style because Minecraft obviously has this kind of blocky game aesthetic to it. And I feel like a lot of the animations, both for mobs and for players, are simplistic because the environment around us is simplistic, but then later updates have obviously added a lot more complexity to the game. When a lot of these animations started, there wouldn't have been, you know, stairs and slabs for a great deal of blocks or at all. And so I, I think now that we're getting a bit more complexity in the environment around us, I'm not opposed to having a few more complex animations come in to make it feel like the player is really interacting with those elements of the world. Um, the last thing I will recommend uh, for Forge but for 1.16, there is a better animations collection out there which collects a lot of different mobs. Think of it more as like a mod pack um, that has, yeah, tons of different stuff. I think um, stuff like Mobens is in there, but it gives spiders additional joints to their legs so they look a little bit more realistic. Um, yeah, it gives a variety of mobs different behaviors like sheep will kind of like bend down with their front feet straight out in front of them, kind of doing like a Superman pose kind of thing to graze, maybe a little bit more realistic to how they would in real life. And yeah, horses and pigs and stuff like that. They have some animations that, you know, characterize them differently as opposed to right now basically every animal that grazes just like tilts its head down does munch 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 and then sits up again and it, it feels like they they lack distinctiveness of character because they're all using a very similar animation yeah as an animator my brain kind of goes for i don't want to say realistic motion because minecraft is very cartoony but I, I agree with you, like it's the personality, right? Like the frogs seem to have a little bit more personality in their kind of 
trundle around on the ground with their arms kind of like pointed in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then when you compare that to something like like a pig or a horse uh, or a cow. And I think that in some cases they'd have to update the models in order to increase the animation. And there's a it's a double edged sword because I've played modded Minecraft where there are extra animals all over the place. But the person that created them went super dense pixel art on them yeah and yeah. they don't look like part of minecraft they just look a little bit too like they're from another voxel game and while they look pretty on their own they don't really jive with the minecraft aesthetic and so you really feel like you're playing modded um whereas something like a parrot's a pretty complicated model but it's still very minecrafty you know yeah yeah and i think that that's a good a good example you know for stuff like that uh it gets diff- more difficult obviously the smaller the animal but uh, I would say that there could be some cool things like uh, even having um, I'm not sure if you know, I'm not even sure what to call the movement, but you ever know, like when a cow or a horse, they might moo or whinny, but then they shake their head sort of side to side mm-hmm. in a way yeah. A- yeah, as if they're shaking off flies or dogs do it all the time when they're like stressed or they're drying off. It's way more dramatic when a dog does it, but that kind of a thing. Uh, and the animation, the dog, the wolf does it in, in Minecraft when they get wet, right? They do yeah, that they, kind they, of shake. They, they shake water off. Yeah. And yeah. like, I, I mean, I own cats for a couple of years. I, I have seen cats do that shake when they've got like something that's kind of itching their head or whatever. And they just want to like shake stuff off. Like a lot of animals yeah. do that. And, like I, th- I think that kind of behavior has precedent in Minecraft already. I think if anything, the dogs have one of the more like varied sets of animations from mobs that aren't more recent. Like I think the the dogs have been shaking like that for a while now, and it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting that those kind of animations, that sort of level of detail, doesn't get applied to other mobs. And I think too that even the the newer models while remaining simplistic and I'll, I'll use the goat as an example it's a much better looking model mm-hmm. than what we have for earlier mobs and i can appreciate something maybe like the creeper being you know not wanting to to change it because it's it's so iconic i still think you could change the way that a creeper moves you know rather than um just leaving it the way that it is like and especially if you could do something interesting with it like imagine because a creeper is completely imaginary like there's no realistic kind of like reference in real life imagine if the creeper had like an accordion neck and it could go from building one block tall to like a block and an eighth or whatever it is now (laughs) like because it could creep up on you better like it would become a different kind of threat if it could scrouch down and hide behind a bush and i just i think it would be very funny if it had like an accordion neck, like a Muppet. You know, I just, you don't have to change the texture. I just think it would be really weird, <laughs> you know, yeah, well, and add personality. Right now, they are creepy, which I guess is part of their personality, but they don't really have much more than that for me. One of the better animations collection mods is Wobbly Creeper, which has them kind of like wobbling from side to side as though they're the like the wavy arms guy outside of the, the used car salesman <laughs> lot. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, I, I don't know for certain. Uh, apparently this is a, um, a, a reference to a Captain Sparkles music video, according to, to this. But yeah, it, it's, it's maybe like it's more community prompted than that. I like the idea, though. And yeah, th- I think there's potential for it. I don't know if the Mojang team has more of a policy of not going back over their old workers often like this in the same way that you've talked about before, not going back and like redrawing old comics. Yeah. But I do think for a game that is evolving at the speed that Minecraft is, which is not like the fastest development in the world, but also, you know, there is room for future updates in the next six months, you know, kind of thing. This this cycle that we're on right now. 
I do think there is room for some of that stuff to creep in here and there. And while we're on the subject, we wanted to dedicate the discussion portion of this episode to the speculation that's been happening in the community about what the theme for 1.20 is going to be. Now that we're obviously locked in with 1.19 and some of the bigger changes in the dot releases of 1.19 are presumably behind us, um, a good handful of our chunk mail and the activity we've seen on Twitter and in our Twitch chats and various other places has been about the presumably upcoming announcement of Minecraft 1.20, because Minecraft Live is going to be happening sometime towards the end of this year, and so people are curious about what's coming next. And we wanted to talk a little bit about what's got this buzz going, what some of the more common theories are. We've seen folks like Azumavoid recently posting an update video about how Minecraft 1.20 should be the inventory update, and he says right at the beginning of this episode, it's not going to be the inventory update, and this is not a call for it necessarily, but he wanted to explore a bunch of ideas related to how inventory could be improved in future updates. We've also seen people talking about them hoping that birch forests are included in an update after the concept art was shown at Minecraft Live, and then it turned out they weren't on the slate for 1.19. There have also been a few other rumours or you know speculation going around the community, so we thought it'd be kind of fun to check out some of these theories and go over why people are you know, getting the buzz for 1.20 already. Uh, give a shout out to Dr. Brian from under a stack of a thousand diamonds, uh, Laresque and Alejandro from Argentina. Thanks for writing in with all of your emails. Uh, we've kind of folded the ideas that you wrote in with into the main discussion this week. So as far as the, why this discussion is even happening right now, what do you think, Joel? Because like 119 hasn't been out all that long. Is this just, you know, the the wheels of the Minecraft community churning at this point? Or do you think something like any, anything in particular has prompted this? I think that it's the short tail of Minecraft updates. I find that once the new thing is here, it seems to be all about the new thing for about a month and then it starts to move on. Uh, but I also think the time of year if this was closer to Christmas, I don't think it would be quite as speculative, but because Minecraft Live typically happens near the end of September and early October, uh, or or early October, I should say, uh, then we've got in some parts of the world back to school is happening or preparing to happen. So players are thinking about back to school and potentially fall, which leads to Minecraft Live. So I'm thinking that because of the proximity to Minecraft Live, that this is kind of percolating a little bit more on the surface. Um, I... I do try, when I go through the email, I try not to like choose my ideas for 1.2 when they come in the week after 119 comes out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because uh, they do happen that way. Uh, but it does feel like more and more the last week, specifically into August, that we've been getting more ideas and looking to the future. And I kind of wonder whether, as you mentioned, the stuff that Mojang had shared early on in development that did not make the cut for 119 if that's kind of fueled the the speculation or fueled the desire to have the stuff we'll say caught up you know and, and yeah. brought into the game i think it's it's a combination of that and the fact that 1.19 has been while obviously the snapshots and everything else came out you know months before the actual release so people have been talking about that for a while some of the content the stuff from the deep dark is stuff that we've been talking about even longer so i think in terms of the the chat around this stuff people were probably already tired of talking about the warden and the deep dark 
in a casual sense before 119 actually released and we even had some criticism from the community i think most of it personally unfounded but uh, people saying that this was just delayed content it didn't feel like new content for the update right and so i think a lot of people are looking forward to 1.20 because for the first time in a while we don't know for certain what's next we don't know about delayed content necessarily making it back into the game we don't know if it's going to be something like you know archaeology is going to make a reappearance from when that was forecast for the caves and cliffs update and then shelved there's a variety of ideas kind of you know floating around or it could be something completely different if mojang doesn't want to pursue any of those ideas quite yet so we've got we've got some potential options floating around out there already i think a lot of people are also looking forward to 1.20 because they want to put the negativity about 1.19 behind them You've got stuff like chat reporting more recently, but before that you've got fireflies being cut and other presumed additions not being present. And I, I think it's not a bad thing to look forward, but we've also got to beware the rhetoric that got us here in the first place, right? Uh, Mojang already has presumably a roadmap for 1.20. They'll be leading up to announcing it at Minecraft Live, so they'll be working on prototypes for certain features. And development on this game doesn't turn around just within a month or two. It's, it's a, an ongoing process. So I think if the community makes an impassioned plea for an update and Mojang does something different, maybe don't jump to the conclusion that they aren't listening to the community, right? Because players were anticipating a cave update as far back as 1.14. I remember 1.15 coming out and it being a technical update that had bees as a central like content feature. And a lot of the jokes at the time were like, oh, we wanted a cave update, but all they gave us was bees. And then a cave update arrived in 117, and the scope was large enough that they had to split it into 118 as well. So there is potential there for the community to demand something that's big enough that Mojang starts to, you know, have to split things over multiple updates and maybe bites off more than they can chew for a single release. Um, there's also going to be some continuing negativity from the community at this point. The the calls to revert combat changes from the 1.9 release like continued long past that release like i think they're still going on in some areas of the community so i don't expect the demands to remove chat reporting are going to go away entirely uh, and neither is the atmosphere around mojang over promising on features that are in development uh so like i i think we need to maybe take a few of these speculative videos that people are posting around now and the lead up to minecraft live with a bit of a pinch of salt and remind ourselves that mojang has had a content strategy in place for a while now it seems to be working out for them and uh while this discussion is going to focus on a few theories that are out there none of these are set in stone a lot of them are just based on what the community is feeling at the time i agree i i do like that speculation does give an opportunity for creators that in many cases make their living uh playing minecraft to be able to say like well here's an idea that i've had and especially if it's communicated in the way that like you just laid it out from that creator being like look this isn't what i think is going to happen this is more of an opportunity because of the conversation in the community right now for me to say here's a really cool idea for whenever you know mm -hmm. like for whenever it could happen this is more me just kind of like brainstorming and throwing some ideas out there. And I think that there's a certain timing in the conversation for that to be taken constructively. And there's a certain timing in the conversation where that just feels like, you know, you're griping, like releasing a, a video or creating a, a, you know, getting a Twitter thread going about what you would want to change about Minecraft. The moment that a new update is released 
feels kind of snarky. Whereas when you're in between the de development cycles and you're leading up to what might possibly next and everybody's kind of speculating, it's a little bit more of a welcome conversation, provided again that it's presented in the right way. Yeah, definitely. Like, and, and it's it's kind of funny seeing the way people have to present this stuff like for clicks on YouTube and everything, but then immediately uh, yeah. backpedaling. Like it did mm -hmm. really make me laugh when Azuma started that video with like, this isn't anything to do with what I think Mojang should release in 1.20. And then the title of the video is 1.20 should be the inventory update, right? Um, so let's start with that actually, because that seems to be on a lot of people's minds lately. Um, there are lots of calls from the creator uh, community for an inventory update. There's lots of good ideas out there about how this could be executed. And I think this really uh, stems from two areas. It stems from, I think especially from creators, this desire to build bigger, more complex stuff. A lot of people are, you know, getting out there doing larger builds and doing more complex builds using wider block palettes. So on the one hand, it's stuff like that. And I know from using Lightmatica a lot more lately that if you want to prepare a large build like that and you've got all of the stuff on you, it's a lot of it is about inventory management. It's about having all of the stuff available to you in shulker boxes and that kind of stuff is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. The other side of it is, of course, any future updates are going to have to add more blocks and items that the player ultimately needs to manage. And so people want solutions for that before they see the the overall creep of you know items becoming so large that you have to build a pretty decent storage system just to store one of everything so i i can see the the drive for this um and so i i kind of structured my notes here into kind of pros and cons i think the pros for an inventory update are really improving quality of life for future updates because they will have more blocks and items that we need to manage and also that there is scope within Minecraft's mechanics for some pretty clever solutions. And there's also even the opportunity of gating those behind player progression and existing systems. So if you look at Azuma's video as an example, one of the changes he suggests in a kind of like, this is medium complexity, it's not super simple, it's not super advanced, or doesn't radically change too much, but the opportunity to enchant shulker boxes so that they automatically pick up any item that they've already got in the shulker box so that it doesn't end up going into your inventory. You don't have that middleman step of having to put down a shulker box, open it up, shift click all of your sand that you're gathering in there. And likewise, you can do that for a whole variety of items. So if you're going mining and you want all of the precious materials to go into one shulker box, you can pretty much just do that without having to interface with the shulker box at all. And there's a couple of other enchantments that he recommends for that. You know, there's a, I think, a siphon or a refill enchantment so that one of them can effectively be a second inventory that you're constantly refilling a stack of items from. If you want to build a large brick wall, you just have a shulker box full of bricks and it constantly refills the stack in your hotbar from the extension of your inventory that's inside the shulker box. So there is room for stuff like that to be implemented in a very clever way. And I think that that works because like you can carry any number of shulker boxes with you, which is more than any person could ever carry considering what's in them mm -hmm. uh, and using enchants to create these different functions, I think is great. You're using magic. The game's got magic. That's not new. And, and by making those shulker boxes, you know, magical and adding functions to them, there's a cost, you know, you have to have the levels, you have to have the right, you know, um, RNG, I guess, to get, to get the, the shulker box is enchanted it opens up my brain to like what other cool enchants could you have uh, on a shulker box you know yeah fireproof um, I, please <laughs> yeah there you go 
<laughs> yeah, or, or or some sort of magnet that stops you dropping well, them into the void when you're uh, working on them in the end. Look, there you go. I mean, like it, you don't necessarily want it to affect the color, but something like the cost of having to put a shulker box and a netherite ingot together in the smithing table to create a shulker box that is one able to receive enchantments and two um has the fireproof aspect to it like there you go like that's a cost that's not just a free update like you have to go find the netherite for that yeah. stuff if you've got as many shulker boxes as i do i'm going to be spending the next six months in the nether you know like that's that has that balance of like play like gameplay versus reward you know yeah maybe it's it's something like echo shards again like with mm -hmm. <laughs> the community joining the community who's just brainstorming new uses for echo shards constantly like you could you could have one of those be the thing that you smith together with a shulker box to refill your your stacks of items that kind of thing there's there's definitely potential there but broader than that a lot of other good ideas from that video and lots of other good ideas from the modded community with regards to how they manage their inventory and what solutions feel like they really fit vanilla Minecraft. Um, there's some more radical stuff out there like, um, you know, letting go of stack sizes and having items stacked to 999, uh, which X decided was probably the best number in terms of readability, but also allowed for the highest capacity in a single stack. And obviously stuff like that is a bit more iconic. And so I kind of put that in the cons column, like you risk letting go of some of the things that really are emblematic of Minecraft in people's communities now. Like I see the number 64 in any other place and I immediately think of Minecraft. And so you'd right. be letting go of some of the key iconography like that. That feels like something like the Creeper uh, texture change where they kind of you know, have maybe ruled that out as, as a, a concept. But is that a bad thing? Uh, remains to be seen. Um, the other thing I put in the cons column here is that this has the potential for conflicts with Bedrock Edition because we've seen some features be touted as solutions to some of the problems with inventory, like the bundle, but then they simply aren't compatible with a variety of control surfaces. And, you know, a couple of years on from its inception, we have bundles as part of the code hidden in Java Edition. They haven't come to Bedrock Edition at all because of mobile players not really being able to hover over the bundle's interface to see what's in it and everything having to be controlled through a touchscreen. So I think... While a lot of these solutions seem like a cool idea, some of them are going to be better for Java players or keyboard and mouse players more specifically than they are going to be for a broader variety. And it's really about making sure that something is going to work on both versions. Because like it or not, Bedrock Edition is a reason for some features not to come to Java Edition because Minecraft needs to be treated as a holistic development project in areas like gameplay like that. And that's where I think that the hang-up lies uh is the way that it is affected on multiple platforms when changes like this are considered and for me i i granted i'm biased because i'm a java player and definitely a keyboard mouse player i've tried to play minecraft with a controller it just wasn't my thing um, but i feel like there are ui differences between the two different versions regardless of whether the gameplay stuff has some parity so i'm fine with gameplay parity and them having to consider all right well we can't do this on on you know uh the bundles on on mobile so we're gonna hold it back for a while uh, that to me makes sense but ui changes like i feel like if whether you like it or not minecraft is on several different platforms and i feel like it is a disservice to the people that use the java and windows 10 keyboard mouse platforms 
um, when stuff like, you know, adding an inventory slot or the changes to the, to the GUI are held back because of the fact that, you know, there's mobile players to, con- to consider. There's two different versions of the game. There's no reason why the, the keyboard and mouse players shouldn't be able to use the keyboard and mouse to their, the best of its ability within the game. And that I find frustrating. Um, yeah. That that's kind of where I'm just like, and again, it's probably again, it's a little bit of my bias of being a Java player coming through, but I feel like, well, why should I and everybody else that plays on Windows 10 and Java, you know, suffer because they can't hover click, you know, in 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 uh, in a in a mobile situation, or just if adding extra inventory spaces just becomes too much of a scroll on mobile. I was like, well, find a different solution that works for mobile that I don't want to use on, on a keyboard and mouse, I guess. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I find is problematic about an inventory update is that it's a hard sell because it is a lot of work. I don't want to downplay how much work it would be to try and make these changes or any of these changes. And I think that that is not enough to sustain an entire update. There has to be mm-hmm. some sort of content alongside of that. Yeah. And that's going to be hard because that becomes a huge workload and I can see it maybe working along something technical. Like, you know, we mentioned minecarts being updated earlier this episode, like that kind of thing, like a minecart and an inventory update could maybe work together, right? Because it's going to make sense. Minecarts have inventory in some places and they're part of like the player moving different things around. So it would kind of make sense, but you have to have some sort of gameplay content along with the, GUI and the potential inventory update if that ever comes to play. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately inventory changes and quality of life changes like this aren't a content update. Like, so you're going to find them creeping in in other ways. And we've seen changes to these systems over a variety of updates. You've seen, you know, shulker boxes. While shulkers were in 1.9, you know, shulker boxes didn't arrive until a couple of updates later. You get things like pick block being implemented into survival, where it was previously a creative only feature. You've got, you know, being able to shift click stuff into crafting tables using number keys to move stuff around the inventory. Bits and pieces like that trickle through in these updates as minor features. They're just kind of like bottom of the changelog stuff, but those are really where a lot of people are going to find significant changes to their day-to-day gameplay in minecraft rather than it being like a tentpole feature for something that looks good on a poster you know so i I do think there is room for inventory updates but i don't think they are holistically going to be a theme in themselves we'll we'll see them coming to a variety of updates in future though um on the subject of shulker boxes and you know 1.9 let's talk about an end update let's talk about where we're at with those because the last one of those the last significant changes to the end were in 1.9 with end cities the outer end islands being added and since then of course there's been a lot of chatter about an end update 1.16 focused on the nether 117 through 119 have all focused on the overworld there is room for 1.20 to be a good time to update the end with the pros obviously being that they have had plenty of time to develop ideas the need for an end update has been pretty clear for a while the place is a blank canvas for creativity and the nether update was pretty well received as something that really breathed new life into the nether as a dimension they also have lots of existing ideas out there from the treatment of the end in minecraft dungeons later levels so potentially there is a lot of stuff on the table for an end update already 
Um, what I see as the downsides to that is that many players currently never reach the end. They're either scared of the Ender Dragon fight, they're losing items in the void, they just don't feel like going to have that experience, or they play on peaceful mode so they don't have access because it's impossible to light a nether portal without blaze powder to make eyes of ender, or lucking into the sort of one in however many chance of finding a completely activated end portal already open in the overworld. And I think that's a big problem. I think an end update could be a good time for, you know, to encourage players who haven't been to the end to travel there. Like, adding new content to that dimension potentially encourages some of those players who've been holding out on the end to make the leap, but for people who are just sworn off it for whatever reason, it makes it kind of difficult for them to go and see the new content to begin with. Um, the other thing is that, like, this doesn't build on ideas that Mojang has already shared with the community, so I I expect there might be, if anything, there'd be excitement around an end update, but there might be a bit of backlash if, you know, they've said, you know, we're going to bring all of this stuff to the end and people are still going, well, what about this, 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 and this that's been in previous mob votes, that's been in previous biome votes, that's been cut features or stuff that, you know, we've been quote-unquote waiting on for a while that doesn't see the light of day if they they barrel ahead with an end update. I think the last thing in the point of the column against is really just the potentially large scope. Is it the right time for something like this right after such a massive update to the overworld and, you know, the nether update having been so soon? I've always said that the end update was probably going to arrive later than we expect because once you've added more variety to the end, the game feels a lot more complete and they want to encourage players to understand there is more coming and there will be more coming for the foreseeable future. I feel like an end update is kind of the biggest and easiest pinata to hit at the party. You know, uh -huh. like it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the big empty. It's really not much going on compared to the rest of the Minecraft world as of, you know, 119. Now that they've got all this new stuff in both the overworld and with 116 and the nether. Um, but I feel like it's like you. It's not something I think we're going to see anytime soon because of the scope of it. And I think that they want to avoid over promising mm -hmm. and and having another delay uh or if we do see an end update maybe it's just not all going to happen at once you know maybe there's going to be periodic changes over time uh, for the same reason that you mentioned to elongate the end of the game you know as as you said uh i feel like the the thing for me about the end with peaceful mode is that if and when they do have an end update i think it's a good opportunity to also update the mechanics of accessing the end mm -hmm. and maybe include a couple of different ways that you could ignite an end portal and have a couple of different things that are enticing for players to go whether they're playing in peaceful or not mm -hmm. and you know because if you're going to the end in peaceful mode if you did have access like what are you going to do there there's no shulkers you know like you can't you, i guess you could get the elytra but that's that's the thing. I think you there know? are shulkers. Like, despite them being hostile mobs, I think there are certain hostile mobs that remain in the game in peaceful mode and just don't have hostile behaviors. Oh, so I see. I believe because of their utility, shulkers are still part of end cities. And again, peaceful players write in, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, some people in our live chat are confirming that yes, there are shulkers in peaceful. So it's like piglins. Like, piglins don't have any hostile behaviors to the player, but they're still there so you can barter gold with them. Right, okay. Um, And, and a lot of neutral mobs are still out there. I mean, even the ender dragon is still there in peaceful, it just doesn't attack the player. 
Um, so yeah, th there is potential for that stuff to still be there, and even if it weren't, it would be an easy enough fix to just do what they are doing now and have, you know, shulkers appear in end cities and just not have the same hostile behaviors. And speaking of the end dragon, if an end update happens, is an ender dragon fight change something that we see? Like, does the dragon get a remodel? Is that too iconic? Does the dragon's behavior and fight change? Does it become harder, you know, uh, to give access? And because it's now gating way more content with an end update, like I, there's a bunch of things that immediately make you realize just how big an end update would be. And, and that's why I think that if it's going to happen, it's not going to happen for a while. Yeah, I think the, the Ender Dragon fight, bizarrely, because it's still got its level of jank to it, is still one of the only things that I feel like is a balanced experience regardless of where you are in the game. And of course, everybody knows the speedrun methods of, you know, blowing up beds underneath it to kill it as fast as possible. You can do that with, like, a stick in your hand and nothing else if you want to. But there are... I think there are still players who approach the Ender Dragon fight with a certain anticipation. There are people who go in all guns blazing. There are groups who go in there and take it down within, you know, a couple of seconds. There's all sorts of variety in that fight still. And I don't know if it necessarily needs all that much change. I think it's it's one of those things that could be left alone. And a lot of the changes happen on the outside of the islands where there's a lot more space, a lot more room for, for changes like that. But th there is still, yeah, potential for any of that stuff to change. It got updated in 1.9 to be brought more in line with the console edition experience, or the, I guess the Bedrock edition experience as it became, where previous to 1.9, the pillars on the end island appeared randomly, the dragon's behavior was slightly different, and now the pillars are in a distinct circle, and that also prompts the circle of gateways that appear around the outside of those. So I think there's there's a few changes that have been made over the years, but the dragon's behavior and, and whatnot has remained largely the same. I really liked your idea about a forest update. Yeah, so th this is one that I was throwing around on stream the other day, because, of course, Birch Forests got enough attention from the concept art that was shown at Minecraft Live that they could be considered for a future update just because of the amount of player enthusiasm and, I guess, player disappointment when it turned out they weren't coming to 1.19. And, you know, this is a little bit out there and don't, you know, take this again with a grain of salt, but I think they might even have been scrapped from early 1.19 development because they fit better with the theme of a potential forest update. So if you, if you look at forests in the game already, the regular forests that are just oak and birch mixed, uh, the birch forests and then flower forests in the overworld are the ones that have potential for expansion. I might include um, tiger forests in there as well, because even though they had the tiger update, that only really added a mob and a berry bush, plus the campfire, which is something a player crafts, you don't find them naturally, right? So... Um, except in maybe tiger villages, but th they they could all potentially have room for expansion, whether that's just in terms of aesthetics, changes in the variety of trees that you find there, maybe the varieties of trees that the player can grow as a result, and then other bits and pieces that we saw from the birch forest concept art, a few other bits and pieces here and there. I think if if that continues the development of the overworld, following on from Caves and Cliffs, continues the vision they were talking about when they introduced that concept art about making the overworld more immersive, making you feel like you're really there in a real biome, 
and having a sense of ecosystem to each of them. I think that's a pretty strong theme to continue from the Wild update and show the direction they're taking Minecraft. Could also be an occasion to add the Moo Bloom from the Minecraft Live 2020 mob vote, since I know that has a lot of fans out there. And it also delivers on something the community felt was quote-unquote missing from 1.19. In the cons column for this, it delivers on something the community felt was missing from 1.19, which, <laughs> as I said before, leads to people thinking that this is quote-unquote just delayed content, as though the idea was somehow fully fleshed out from the beginning and that they've been holding back on this because the developers are quote-unquote lazy. Not the case. Um, and I think that that kind of line of thinking also applies to updates themed around any previous cut or previewed features that haven't made it into the game yet like the archaeology system changes to combat that kind of stuff right like so i don't i don't want to take that as like this is a very cynical way of looking at it but i i don't want to assume that any update that comes out with a a previously aired idea is immediately going to be received badly by the community because you know, people are going to say, well, we already know about this in the same way that we knew about the Warden and the Deep Dark, even though that changed radically from concept to execution. Um, my only thoughts about a forest update beyond that is that it might not be broad enough on its own, and it might increase the scope to include an overhaul of something more technical to give that side of the game a bit more of its due. Whether that's including features in the forests that maybe have some kind of bearing on technical gameplay in the same way that introducing bees introduced the honey block which is a pretty powerful block as far as slime block contraptions and redstone goes um maybe overhaul something like minecarts in addition to the forests you know we could get the uh you know the 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 forests and rails update or something like that i don't know i i'm expecting there to be some sort of hybrid concept in here though i'm expecting it to be like uh, an individual biome or two gets an update and then there's some other kind of key concept to the update in the same way that the wild update was really split between the deep dark experience under the ground and then the swamp experience above the ground. I'm not expecting it to just be one area of the game gets a huge update in the same way that the nether update did. I'm not sure that's the approach they're taking to development now. But again, there's purely speculation on my part. I think this is the most feasible uh, because you can specifically break it down into smaller pieces depending on which forests are getting an update or if it's a new forest being added, which actually brings me to a question. Like when it comes to overworld biomes like the dark oak forest or the birch forest or uh, an oak forest, do we want to see those revamped or would we, would we prefer to see a new forest added? You know, so... I don't know, like uh, instead of like birch and flower forest look very similar, but what if, you know, you had an oak and like an old oak forest, or you have uh, like a, a dark oak forest, maybe you get like a spooky dark oak forest. So it becomes more dangerous or something. I don't know. I'm kind of spitballing here, but would you prefer a revamp of the existing, or do you want to then farther travel farther afield to find a new biome? I honestly think a revamp of the existing biomes with a lot of these would go a long way. Or maybe have there be a section, like maybe if, I'm not sure how feasible this would be to program, but having like a grove of sorts, like an open clearing, uh, having features within those forests that not necessarily quite like generated structures, but something along those lines, something that would give them a bit more character and could still feel like a a natural part of the forest but make it more of a feature 
and so maybe you find a clearing in a dark oak forest where there's a, a campfire and a couple of you know tents dotted around or something like that something to, to provide a bit of life to those areas dark oak forests already have woodland mansions so they have a massive generated structure that maybe makes them more of a, a destination they also have a unique wood type in them so the dark oak ones i'm thinking are almost good as they are they have enough variety at least to set them apart for now but i think birch forests obviously had the concept art that we saw and that would go really well as a revamp to uh the old growth birch forests as they're called now the tall birch forests which you know are technically speaking a sub biome of birch forests but still kind of have their own unique feel in a sense so i'm, I'm kind of curious if they can expand those concepts a little further and have sub biomes of forests that you don't necessarily have to go miles and miles for a whole different biome the same way you do with a mangrove swamp versus a swamp. I agree. I think that altering the existing biomes and giving sub-biomes, as you mentioned, which is a good term, uh, because it would give the players that do reset the world or start a new SMP or join a new SMP a better, newer feeling. It won't just feel like, oh, it's an oak forest. I've seen one of those before. You know, mm -hmm. it, it'll add a lot of new life to the game uh, for a lot of players uh, that that have that early game experience. And I think that would be the ideal situation for me. I feel like. I, do, I would want to see a change to Dark Oak. I find that the tree generation there feels very samey, especially if you see it from above, which I know is late game. But like I do find that Dark Oak just look like one giant platform of tree. Yeah. Uh, where, mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you have a lot more variety in the tree shapes, at least visually. There probably are varieties of dark oak. I just don't notice them because they're so, so thick. Uh, whereas, you know, with oak trees, you tend to have a lot of different heights. You have those big oak trees that, that form. Um, you could add like a big dark oak tree, something larger in the middle there that kind of sticks out. Um, I like the idea of like ponds. I, I don't want to go as far as say like a koi pond because I feel like that's something the player might want to build. But mm -hmm. having some sort of clearing and, and natural pond or natural, you know, looking area with a lot of vegetation around it could be kind of a fun way to add some variety to the to the forests and stuff in Minecraft. Um, I think that it also adds an opportunity for mechanical changes to either the way that some of the foliage grows and or is used we've mentioned before that having flowers uh operate differently or any kind of foliage that you plant down that changes the position from block to block yeah uh having an update like that along with a forest update i think would also provide some of that cool technical stuff as well uh, for people yeah yeah I, I think so Th those are like my main three i think theories that i've seen going around the community is like stuff about forests the end or inventory have you seen any other theories are there any other ones that you've noticed sprinkled out there i haven't seen any theories but i've got a bit of a theory of my own in terms of the scale uh, i think that we are probably going to see smaller updates and i think that players should maybe anticipate smaller updates to not be disappointed with what mojang puts out there be basing this on the large scale plans and some of the delays that we've seen over the past few years with the larger pieces of content like 117 18 and 19 i can see mojang wanting to aim at something more attainable still cool still great additions to the game but much smaller in scope maybe even deliver you know more frequently i don't want to put you know schedule ideas out there that don't exist but like i i anticipate smaller updates i would even anticipate 
Mojang to under promise and over deliver. Yeah. As a way to kind of like get a get ahead of the game with the the a bit of the the attitude that we've seen from players with like the 119, you know, deep dark and stuff, feeling like delayed content rather than new content, which I don't agree with, but like that's what's out there. So, you know, we've, yeah. we've got to touch on it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like that does, again, to me, lean on the update of existing content, like old biome updates and and perhaps uh, the force update is a good one. But to go back to something you mentioned a little while ago in our conversation, things like uh, savannas and deserts that were part of the, the biome votes, things like... Um, badlands uh we had swamps that were updated well i mean swamps weren't really updated so much as a new swamp was added yeah uh, and, we've and also old got... swamps got frogs <laughs> that was yeah. basically it yeah and but we've also got things like the glare and the copper golem that might be added in the future so there are things that they could sprinkle into these updates that could make them feel juicier even though the scale of them is going to be perhaps moderate mm-hmm. speculation on my part but um, I've always said, I think, on this show that I would much prefer smaller, more frequent updates rather than these great big ones. Yeah, and I think it would be nice to have an update that they announce in a small way and then, you know, halfway through, kind of like with the Nether update when suddenly we fa- we found we were getting Basalt Deltas and then the Strider was announced and none of that was shown before that at Minecraft Live. It was kind of... They were features that either had been percolating in the background for a while and weren't ready to show... Or it was genuinely stuff they came up with during development because they thought there was just one more thing that needed to fit into a gap here. And I would love for stuff like that to happen again because more recently it feels like they've announced a fuller set of features and then players have been annoyed when one of the smaller features of that got cut. Um, And there's people in our live chat saying that they wouldn't be surprised if there is a little bit less given out by Mojang in terms of you know information about this ahead of time because of the community response lately and people jumping on everything as potentially a feature announcement when it turns out not to be um i'm curious about the approach as well and i think there's a variety of ways it could go because given the recent kind of negativity in the community mojang might want this update to be a bit more of a crowd pleaser they want to make an update that everybody in the community can get behind but they also don't want to be seen necessarily capitulating to people and compromising on their own vision for the game. So there is also a certain amount to which they could just carry on doing what they were doing regardless. And hopefully, if they've got enough confidence in their vision for it, they'll produce something that the community's going to like anyway. It's a catch-22 situation <laughs> at this point. Like, it's it's a little bit difficult to really judge how they're going to approach that kind of sentiment from the community and what they're going to do. But I am hopeful that whatever they've got planned it's going to be something that players will embrace and that's something that we have to start doing from the community side rather than you know putting all of our hopes and dreams on mojang because that feels like it's setting ourselves up for disappointment already i can't believe we're talking about minecraft live already yeah right (laughs) it's 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 august and uh judging by the the dates that we had for last minecraft live which was i think october 16th um, maybe it'll happen around the same time this time around. So we're still like two and a half months out from that. But uh, 
the sentiment is out there in the community. And if you folks, of course, have any ideas about what you think might be on the way, we've received several of them to chunk mail already, but it's always interesting to get an overview of some of this stuff. So uh, please do send it into the email address. And once again, keep the email short and sweet. And we'd love to get a look at some of them in upcoming chunk mail dispenser episodes. For now, that's where we're going to wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find out more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can do that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live as it is recorded in Discord, and you can listen in for the monthly Minecraft audio hangout and share some of the stuff that you've been building. Uh, we're currently at 344 patrons which is down from last week thanks to a bit of patreon reorganizing and uh special thanks go out to our content engineer patrons as always hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz thank you for your support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast just tell a friend about the spawn chunks and that they can listen on itunes spotify google podcasts and even youtube be sure to leave a rating and a review on your favorite platform. You can also email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the Patreon-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixlriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I try to make sense of this bizarre and wonderful game in Season 2 of both the Minecraft Survival Guide and Empire's SMP. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixlriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. You can listen to my other podcast, The Citadel Cafe, at thecitadelcafe.com, where we talk about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. You can also follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream three days a week from The Citadel. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Four more years? <laughs>